Exodus chapter 24, verse 1. And unto Moses he said, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. Nadab and Abihu are Aaron's sons. They're going to be high priests. Seventy represents the number of people who originally went with Jacob to Egypt, the original number of his family. But more importantly, it's also representative of the number of weeks that it will take for the Israelites to get saved. And I'll explain it more when we get to the New Testament, but it has a lot to do with Jesus Christ, as does everything in the Bible. 2. And Moses alone shall come near unto the Lord, but they shall not come near, neither shall the people go up with him. Only Moses and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu are approaching the Lord, but the people can't. 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath spoken will we do. I don't know if it was planned like they were told to say that. Most likely they were. They were told, If you agree, this is what you need to say, and then they all said it together. 4. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and rose up early in the morning, and builded an altar under the mount, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Remember, he's building the altar with uncut, unbroken stones to represent God's power. Twelve pillars. One pillar represents each tribe of Israel. And I think these are the same kind of pillars. This is another reason why the Native Americans sure do act a lot like Jews. They do a lot of stuff that shows you that they probably came from a Jewish tribe and just don't remember it. Because these are stacking stones on top of another to make a pillar to represent a tribe. And the Native Americans stack stones all the time. 5. And he sent the young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. He's going to have the young men who can carry the meat and do the butchering to do the sacrifices at the bottom of the mountain. 6. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he dashed against the altar. He's got half of it in basins, but half of it he puts on the altar. Dashing is like sprinkling. I'm not sure if he's using the hyssop at this point or not. They've already used hyssop before, which is a, a branch of a bitter herb, and that's what they use a lot to sprinkle blood on, because that represents myrrh, because it's bitter. And that represents the death of Jesus Christ. It also represents the tree, the cross that Jesus died on. So that's why they use hyssop. So I'm assuming he's using hyssop to sprinkle it on the altar. 7. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do and obey. I think what's going to happen is he's going to sprinkle the blood that's in the basins on the people, and that's because it represents us being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. They don't get the born-again life because Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet. They still have black hearts, but their past sins are covered by the blood, so it represents 8. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you in agreement with all these words. This is the old covenant. This isn't the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the blood of animals. So it's not going to transform them into born again new creatures. 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. 
10, And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet the like of a paved work of sapphire stone, and the like of the very heaven for clearness. A piece of heaven came down on the mountain. They saw God. They probably wouldn't have been able to see his face, but they could see his feet. He had so much glory, so much brightness, that the only thing that they could actually make out was his feet. But his feet were resting at his throne. His feet were resting on a pavement of pure blue sapphire. Blue is the color of holiness. And when God instructs Moses to make the garments for the priest, it will include a blue ribbon, which represents holiness. Also, on the tabernacle, they're going to use the color blue to represent holiness. We'll come to the verse later that actually tells us that blue means holiness. And so now we know that God's throne has a whole lot of blue in it. He's actually sitting on blue sapphire. And it says it was the very heaven for clearness, and I'm assuming that everything was crystal clear, bright, beautiful, perfect that they were looking at when they saw God. 11. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand, and they beheld God and did eat and drink. Normally, if you saw God, you would die, but God didn't kill him this time. They were approaching him by his own instruction and with Moses and the other three high priests, and they actually ate there, which means they're literally communing with God. This is almost like taking communion because they're eating with him. I'm sure they ate part of the sacrifice because that's what priests always do. They always eat part of the sacrifice. 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mountain, be there, and I will give thee the tables of stone and the law and the commandment, which I have written that thou mayest teach them. Now he wants Moses alone to come up closer. And now he's going to write the law on tablets of stone. So so Moses is going to bring him some flat pieces of stone to write on. 13. And Moses rose up, and Joshua his minister, and Moses went up into the mount of God. Joshua went with him. And Joshua is a man of great faith who actually becomes Moses's protege and takes Moses's place later after Moses dies. 14. And unto the elders he said, Tarry ye here for us until we come back unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whosoever hath a cause, let him come near unto them. Moses is leaving instructions. He says, Joshua's going with me. And remember, Moses is really old and he's training Joshua to take his place. Joshua is going to go with Moses, and Moses is telling the people, Aaron is now in charge until I return. 15. And Moses went up into the mount, and the cloud covered the mount. And that's God's cloud of glory. 16. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. See how Moses had to wait six days while God was doing things in his own time. Sometimes when we approach God, that doesn't mean that we get instant answers. God is not a computer. We don't press a button and he instantly tells us. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's in charge, not us. We don't tell him when to speak. So Moses had to sit there for six days, probably fasting, not doing anything, just waiting, him and Joshua. And this would build their faith too. And then on the seventh day, God spoke. Now, a lot of people call the glory cloud of God Shekinah. I don't call it that because Shekinah can actually be traced to Jewish mysticism and Jewish witchcraft. It's called Kabbalah, and it's a form of witchcraft that the Jews specifically adopted. Whenever you hear anything related to Kabbalah, that is witchcraft and you should avoid it completely at all costs. 
17. And the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. He appeared as fire. And again, we're going to see this over and over that he appears as fire when Abraham made the covenant with God and God appeared as a lamp going between the cut pieces of meat. That was the first time that we saw God appear as fire, but we're going to see it over and over in the Bible. 18. And Moses entered into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Now there's another godly number, and that means testing. Moses is fasting now for 40 days and 40 nights. His faith is being tested while he waits on the Lord. That will happen to all of us when we become born again. We'll enter into a time of testing. There is that time in the wilderness where you're trying to find a church, you're trying to find other believers who share your faith, you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do. And that's all testing because all of that's really earthly stuff. And that's Satan trying to interfere with your faith by saying, oh, you got to jump hoops now that you love God. It's this time in the wilderness. We have to make a decision. Are we going to jump religious hoops and become a Pharisee like Satan wants us to do? Or are we going to stay faithful to the word and rest from religion as well as resting from sin? It's easy for Christians to realize that they're not allowed to sin anymore. But what we have a hard time grasping is that we're also not allowed to play religion. Now, I go to church, so I'm not saying going to church is playing religion. But we have to understand that we're doing it because the Lord sent us there. We're not doing it to prove that we're Christians. And that's where we end in Exodus chapter 24.